thank you, Jesus. Tell him, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your body broken for us, for your blood that was shed for us, the precious blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your presence in this room. We acknowledge you as the main attraction. We gather together because of you, Jesus. We've been called the body of Christ, so we see you, Jesus, and each other. We gather with those that are reflecting Jesus. And Lord, for those that might find themselves in this room not understanding why they're actually here, Lord, would you open their eyes, open all of our eyes to see you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, if nothing else is accomplished but telling him that we love him, that we surrender afresh and anew to him today, then we've done a lot. Amen? Today is family uh, our, uh, every every first Sunday of the of the month, we we have a family Sunday. So we welcome the the extra noise that comes with the little ones. All right, that's just part of being in here, being a part of family. Amen. So uh, don't get out of been out of shape if you you've got a little one here. Uh, you know, if if it gets too much for you and you feel uncomfortable, you can go out into the to the lobby and there, but. But we're, we're not having children's church today except for us children. Amen? So I am really thankful. So thankful. Y'all, I missed last Sunday. It was tough not being here. But I'm so thankful for face, uh, Facebook Live and YouTube Live. I, Debbie and I got to worship with you last Sunday. I was on my feet just singing with my, all of my heart before the Lord. So we welcome you if you're watching my Facebook Live, you are a part of this room, a part of this body. So, um, welcome. Y'all, I've been camped out in the book of Acts. I don't know about you. Has anybody else been reading in the book of Acts? Anybody? Okay. I was expecting to see a whole lot of folks because today uh, one young man was sitting over here on, on the far side just before the service and had his Bible open, and I just greeted him, and, and uh, I said, he, he said, are you sharing today? I said, yeah. He said, where? Where are you going? I said, the book of Acts. Uh, in fact, if I was going to label this something, I would call it after Pentecost. After Pentecost. That's what we're going to look at today, after Pentecost. And I'm expecting us to be in Acts chapter 1 and 2 today. But uh, he said, look at here. That's what I'm reading, Acts 1 through 3. That's our me and my wife's reading for today, and I just was so blessed. He began to, to preach my sermon to me. Isn't it amazing when you get around folks and all of a sudden you, you realize the things that they are saying are things that you've been hearing? God speaks to his body, and he speaks to all of us. We are not in need of another mediator like a priest to stand between us and God. All, 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 all of us are on level ground at the foot of the cross. It's common ground. No one's higher than the other. We're, we're all on that common ground before the foot of the cross, and that means that we can all hear. We can all see. We can be led by his spirit because it's after Pentecost, right? 
Pentecost changed so much for us. And last Sunday, how many of you were here last Sunday? Y'all, I was just, just blessed and blown away. Now, some of that was planned out, but I would say it was, there was a, a, a planned spontaneity. It reminded me of what I would see would be the early church getting together. And so often, the things that we experience on a Sunday morning is more cultural, I think, than it is biblical. And that's okay, because the Bible is cultural. Hear me. You don't want to go to China and not speak Chinese, right? You don't want to live in the Bible Belt and not speak Bible Beltese. There's something about us coming together with a pulpit at the front and pews or chairs lined up if you don't have pews. I tell you what, if we took the chairs and the pews, I've done this before, took all of those out of the room, you would stand in lines. It's part of our culture. Maybe not in other places, but the Bible is cultural, and we find culture in the gospel. So I'm not down on anything that's happening in all the churches around. I'm just saying that there's more to it. There's life in it. And each one of us are responsible to hear from God. Oh, do you sense his presence in this room right now? My greatest desire is to be surrendered to God, to hear from his Holy Spirit, and to speak what he wants me to say, and to do what he wants me to do. So last Sunday was... It was a joy. I watched you as, 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 as there wasn't, I, actually, I was supposed to be the preacher last Sunday too. And I, I was sick and so I was at home. I actually wasn't sick. I'd gotten better, but I just didn't want to pass on something that I had the day before to anybody else. Yeah, we want to be generous, but not in that, right? And, and so, uh, so I didn't come, but just watching and seeing the different interaction and I heard at the end of the service when it was a ministry time that that we had people up here ready to pray for folks, but there were folks praying all over the whole congregation. Y'all, that's the way it should be. Each one of us have a part in the body of Christ. We don't come in here to sit down and shut up and listen. We come in here on common ground, level at the foot of the cross to hear from God ourselves. You, You know, from the very beginning in Genesis, he, he, he gave us the command to, to be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth, and to actually subdue the earth, to reign over it, rule over it, subdue it. There's only one, one animal that was not meant to be ruled over. Every creature, every plant, you're, you're just kingdomizing your garden when you eat it. You're ruling over it. You're bringing God's kingdom into it. But there's one thing that we're not meant to rule over, and that is our brother and sister. It's that person that has been stamped with the image of God. Even lost people, we're not meant to to rule over. We're meant to see the image of God in every person. Even if they're lost, we see the potential of the living God coming up within them. That's what evangelism is. It's finding the kingdom of God, even in the lost person, and calling them up to that born-again experience. Now, hear me. I'm not a universalist. Universalism. There's a lot of isms. Jack Taylor used to say, any ism should be a wasm. 
The only thing that I want to have as an adjective over me is kingdomized, the kingdom of God. That brings fullness and wholeness to our identity, right? But in that, we as sons and daughters of the king come as princes and princesses together. You are royalty. Oh, some of you are having a hard time with that one. Me? Uh, you might have been listening to the accuser of the brethren this past week or even this morning. As we were worshiping, I could just see Jesus lavishing us with gifts, lavishing everyone in this room with something special, something unique for each one of you. And, and, and being connected to him divine, I could see the fruit of the Spirit coming out of you. By the way, gifts, receiving gifts, it, having and practicing gifts, is, it, that's not a sign of maturity. If, if, if a gift is given to you, you didn't do anything for it. But fruit is a sign of maturity. When the fruit of God, the fruit of the Spirit is being displayed in our lives, look it up, nine, nine pieces of, nine part, portions of that fruit. That is a sign of maturity in us. But all of us stand together on level ground at the foot of the cross. And uh, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this a bit interactive today. I said we're going to look at Acts. We are. I'm going to do something with the book of Acts that I've never done before. Because I'm anticipating that I'm going to be in the book of Acts for a while now. So I did my homework. Whenever you are reading a book in the scripture, you need to understand who it was that wrote it and why they wrote it. Two things, two points. One is to understand the historical significance of what's been done. And two, to ask why is that in our, our Bible and why is it that, that it's there for us? What is it that God is wanting to apply in my life? So I want to give you just a little bit of a heads up on the book of Acts. I'm, and I'm going to ask a few questions as we go. And again, I've never done this before, ever. Who wrote the book of Acts? Luke. Luke, Luke did. Yes, somebody said God did. That's right. <laughs> God did. He, he inspired the writers of the Bible. So that what we have is the inspired, infallible word of God. That's what I believe. So Luke wrote it. Who did he write it to? Theophilus. Who in the world is Theophilus? Does anybody know who Theophilus was? Nobody knows. Well, do you know what it means? You can answer that. <laughs> Theophilus actually means God-friendly. Theophilus. God-friendly. Philadelphia. God-friendly. He, he's writing to the God-friendly one. But I believe that he is a... Uh, uh, I, some of you, I think I might have already lost you. You're going, oh, you're just doing history now. No, this is significant. Turn to the book of, uh, to the gospel of Luke because there are two things that Luke writes. One to run to Theophilus there in Acts, but let's look at, Act, at Luke chapter one, starting verse one. And, and first of all, what's Luke's occupation? He's a doctor. There's something else significant about Luke. He's the only Gentile writer of the whole Bible. <laughs> That's pretty significant. He, he, he was born in Antioch, Syria. 
and he was trained as a doctor. By this point, medicine in that day had already been active for 400 years plus. So there was medical training that doctors went through, and they had to be meticulous and detailed about the things that they were seeing and recording, and they would pass that along. So Luke was a detailed person in the first place, but he had a unique position of being uh, 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 the only Gentile writer of the Bible. Starting verse 1, many have undertaken to compile a narrative about the events that have just been fulfilled among us. Just as the original eyewitnesses and servants of the word handed them down to us. It also seemed good to me since I have carefully investigated everything from the very first to write to you in an orderly sequence, most honorable Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things about which you have been instructed. So, Luke is giving a meticulous account, first of all, in the gospel of Luke about the life of Jesus. But in the book of Acts, he's writing a meticulous account of the history of the church in the New Testament. If we didn't have the book of Acts, it would be hard for us to connect to the letters. So we go from the gospels into Acts so that it gives us some, some, some context for understanding the rest of it. Why am I telling you this? Because you need to be reading your Bible. And you need to understand what the historical significance is for, in the first place. And then ask the question of why, Lord, did you let this be here for me? And what is it that you want to, to do in my life? Amen? So, Theophilus, here's a bit of speculation here. But it's, I think it's pretty, pretty basic and pretty real, pretty right. That Paul, I believe, first of all, Luke did not, he, we don't, he, he didn't spend time with Jesus when Jesus was walking the earth. He, 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 he learned from others, and he was meticulous about those firsthand accounts from the others. But Luke, he was very specific about some of the, the miracles. He was very specific about the birth of Jesus. I mean, he, he's the one that, 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 that talked about him being wrapped in swaddling clothes. He gave a doctor's perspective into this. He's very specific about some things, but why did he do this? I believe that, that this all began in Caesarea because I have been camping out in Acts. I've been through the whole thing, but I'm going to stay there for a while. But when, when Paul was going through Caesarea, he actually was arrested and detained for two years. And during that time, Luke was with them. And he began to compile a report to explain the significance of the life of Jesus in a historical context. Could it be that Theophilus might have been a lawyer or a judge? You don't find this most honorable Theophilus in the Gospel of Luke anywhere else. He is addressing him in a position of honor. The potential is that Luke was writing this to document the life of Jesus and to document the experience of Peter and Paul and the disciples in the Acts. And it ends, the book of Acts ends with Paul waiting for what's going to happen to his life. And we, we understand he was beheaded in Rome, but, but, uh, but the, 
This scripture actually, Luke's writing helps us to understand that, that with Theophilus or someone that was an advocate for them, for, for Paul in the court, actually got Paul freedom in Caesarea and in Rome. We say he was under house arrest. So, does that, isn't that interesting? It's, to me, it's a little bit interesting. Anybody else already heard that before? Is that new to you? I've never said it before, so you didn't get it from me if you, if you got, had gotten it before. It is significant. That's the beginning. Uh, let, let me tell you, let me, let's break it down another way. I, I believe that, that the, book, the, 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 the book of Acts could be divided into two sections. One would be about the, the example of Peter, and the, the other would be the example of Paul. Peter would be from chapters 1 through 12, and Paul would be from chapters 13 through 28. Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles, and Peter was reaching out to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. But here's, here's some of the similarities we find with Peter and Paul as found in, in Acts. They both performed miracles. They both saw visions. They both suffered for their faith. They both made long speeches. <laughs> they were both filled with the Spirit. They both preached with boldness. They both preached to Gentiles and Jews, though Peter primarily preached to Jews and Paul primarily to the Gentiles. They were both imprisoned and miraculously set free. They both healed the sick. They both healed a congenital cripple. They both exercised demons. By the way, uh, did, did, was Jesus an exorcist? And uh, hear this. Sometimes we can focus on that calling or giftings, and there are some that have that, but it came with him. It's what he did, and it's what the disciples did, and what we should also be doing. It should, it, you don't have a, a ministry of exorcism, but be ready to see the demons flee. You hear what I'm saying? To get there, you need to be prepared for it. You need to be prepared by saying this, no to the devil and yes to Jesus, because he gives us all authority for that. They both had extraordinary means of healing, Peter with his shadow and Paul with his handkerchief. They both raised the dead. They both declared judgment on false teachers. They both refused worship of them, and they both died in Rome, though Luke doesn't include that in his account in Acts. What I just read to you came from one of my most respected uh, Bible teachers who's gone on to be with the Lord. His name is David Pawson, and I love his summary of seeing both Peter and Paul in that context. But I would also like for us, I want us to go, this, this is the verse we'd center on, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Now this you've heard me talk about before. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And I'm, this is where you, you need to get ready. If you're sitting there going, I'm in the sit down, shut up, and listen mode, get out of it because I'm going to ask you a question now, okay? Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's concentric circles dealing with their location 
at the writing of the, uh, at, at the summary of the, of the Acts of the Apostles. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, I'm going to ask you to participate with me, and I want you to speak it out loud if you will. Um, I want you to summarize that one verse. That's a significant verse, right? It's a significant verse for me. We've served in missions for 15 years overseas. This is at the core of our being. I want you to summarize that verse with one word. And we should have a whole bunch of people saying one word summaries of that verse. Just summarize that verse with one word. Preach. Witnesses. What? Be. Be. The gospel. A plan. Neighbor. Commission. Power. What? All. Jesus. What'd you have, Michael? What? Anoint. Unashamed. Somebody else said something. Authority. I'm loving this. Are y'all getting a sermon? And somebody said, I only have one point today. About 20 sub points, but one point. <laughs> These are all sub points of Acts 1 I'm getting something from this. I'm getting revived. Are you getting revived and renewed just from hearing one word from others? You know that's all it takes to, to preach a sermon? <laughs> Some of you are going, sit down and shut up then. <laughs> no. Any other one word? Shall. Okay. Deliverance. What? Life. Overcome. Purity, expansion, pray. Oh, come on, Coach Hodge. <laughs> what? All right, I'm, I'm actually searching for one and nobody said it. Boldness, what? Minister, good. Evangelize, good. Go, love. You still haven't gotten there. It's, it's okay. Somebody said power already, but say it again. Spirit, yes. What? Repent. Kingdom. <laughs> oh, that's, that's tricky right there. 99% of the time, if I ask a question and you say kingdom, you're going to be right. Because I'm all about the kingdom of God, right? Somebody else said something over here. Relentless. Whoa. Are you receiving this? Receive this. Wow. Salvation. Man. 
dauntless. <laughs> Lie widespread. Y'all still hadn't got it. Shall, shall, I, shall I cheat a little bit? I'm going to give you the first letter, P. Oh, that's good. Patience, that's good. Prayer, good, it's been said. P-R. So, wait, I heard some, what did you Prophet, that's close. Prophecy. Purpose. We can keep on with this. But let's, let's <laughs> what? Proclaim. Okay, prophecy is what I was hunting for. Let's just stop there now, okay? So y'all, y'all did well. I feel like a new man already. This is awesome. So prophecy, how is it a prophecy? Jonathan Burkus, you hit on it. What did you say? The first thing you said, shall. Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost. When God says something's going to happen, it will happen. Right? That's prophecy. Some say, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. No. God said it, that settles it. Right? It is a prophetic statement. You will receive power. The Holy Spirit will come on on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost. It's an incredible plan. But it was a prophetic thing said. Now, it's not just an invitation to participate. It's actually a prophetic thing that's, that's given to us that says you can be a part of it. It's more than a command. There is that invitation sense to it it's going to happen well how are they going to hear unless someone goes and when nobody volunteers chunkle rock said if you don't uh, praising the rocks will cry out right that's proclamation we can't get anybody to go to afghanistan just chunkle rock jesus is lord jesus is lord jesus is lord it's going to happen It's going to happen. Listen, this takes the crack of the whip out of it. This takes the the pull of the lasso, pulling you into it. This says that there is a Sabbath rest that you can enter into when you're doing the work of God. Wow. Why? Because we don't do it in our own strength. We receive the power from the Holy Spirit. And it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit says the Lord. So your evangelism now is empowered. You've got strength into it. You're not doing it out of some kind of guilty conscience. Their blood will be required at your hand. There's truth to that. But y'all, it's bigger than a command. This is an invitation to enter into a prophetic truth that God has spoken. That's what Pentecost was all about. Pentecost is a place where Sabbath can be realized. Pentecost came back at Mount Sinai 50 days after the Passover. There's a difference between the Pentecost then and the Pentecost in Acts 2. 
Pentecost then was the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. Acts 2 is the writing of the law on the hearts of men and women. It's Jeremiah 31, 33. It's 2 Corinthians 3, 3. You have become the written Bible that others see. And, 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 and that that has been written on tablets. Oh, we just got to read that. Let's, I know it's on my phone. Hang on. Jeremiah 31, 33. Instead, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days. The Lord's declaration. I will put my teachings within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their guard, God, and they will be my people. 2 Corinthians 3, verses 2 and 3. You yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, recognized and read by everyone. It is clear that you are Christ's letter produced by us, not written with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on stone tablets, as in Mount Sinai, my words on that, but on tablets that are hearts of flesh. That's what Pentecost is about, the writing of everything that we know from the old covenant into the new covenant onto our hearts. We're born again of the Spirit. Some of you, I see you've got your hand on your heart and you're receiving this word right now. Receive this deeply into you, dear brother and sister. You will enter into a rest that you have never known. You will work harder than you ever worked, but you will do it out of rest. You will do it out of the leadership of the Holy Spirit. You see, what happened at Pentecost, some would say, you know, it, it, well, it says it in Acts chapter 2. It says, this is what happened, this is what was prophesied in the book of Joel, Joel chapter 2, that God's going to pour out his spirit. Y'all, I've been dreaming lately. Anybody been dreaming? I, I, had, I had vivid dreams that I got up and recorded it all. And, and, and first thing that day, it, it, it was something about uh, India, and I, I, after I'd had my quiet time with the Lord, the Lord woke me up at 4 o'clock, and then I dozed into 4.30. And at 4.30, it was like, you're done. Get up and write this down. And I went out and wrote it down. Well, I didn't write it. I talked to text, and then I corrected it. That's pretty cool. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't do well with Mississippi dialect i don't know if you found that but but i corrected it and after i did and after i'd written it all down and the lord took me to acts chapter 19 and i found my dream in the scripture and then i looked on facebook in my messenger section and someone from india had 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 sent a note to me and and the words were at pentecost and they said, here come some videos. And I watched them. Y'all, the largest groups I've ever been invited to speak to. 20,000 plus in Northeast India. It's known as the Bible Belt of, of Asia. 90% of them are Christian. Right now, there's turmoil going on in Manipur, one of the provinces of Northeast India. Pray for them. Over 100 people now have died. They've lost their lives there. But as I saw it, here's the deal. I shared this with the elders, and Josiah said, that reminds me of something. I said, what? And he said, old men will dream dreams. I went, thanks, son. <laughs> Young will 
have visions. Old will drink dreams. And God will pour out his spirit on all flesh. Everybody say all flesh. That means even the lost ones. There's an anointing for them to hear. If you will just find where they're looking. If you'll find where they're asking. You will you'll find the anointing of God to speak the gospel in a fresh new way. This will revolutionize our evangelism. More folks will get saved on accident. And with all of our plans and preparations, if we will listen to the Spirit of God within us, do you trust his voice? Or is Satan beating you up so much that you think, I can't hear him, I'm too bad. Listen, if you feel that you have done something wrong, ask the Lord what it is, repent of it, ask for forgiveness, and step into your destiny. Well, I can't really summarize. It's just a dark cloud. That ain't nothing but the devil. If God convicts, he gives you a way to repent and get restored. The devil comes with just this dark cloud of you are unworthy, worthless piece of scum. How can you hear from God? I just ripped that lie off of every one of you in the name of Jesus. Pew, 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 pew. In the name of Jesus, be gone. May God give you ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying in this day. Now, some would say, yes, it was prophesied in Joel. There was a, perhaps something that happened in that day historically. But it pointed to Pentecost, and we know that's true because it says it in Acts 2. We know that that's true. It, it, it is fulfilled at Pentecost. And some would say, since it's fulfilled at Pentecost, then it's a done deal. There's truth to that. But I'm going to stretch you a little bit today. Some would say, don't be asking for the Holy Spirit to be poured out. Okay, fair, fine. But I want to tell you, it's not just meant for the Pentecost in Acts 2. It's meant for the Pentecost every morning that you wake up. You wait and you receive from the Holy Spirit afresh and anew. Receive from him. We won't get into the semantics of it all. If you want to say pour out, fine. If there's something was done at Pentecost. But at least say, I'm receiving from you, Lord, before I get off on this journey. They didn't dare go outside of Jerusalem without the, the, the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Y'all, I've done a word study through the book of Acts. It's going to have to save it for another time. I got all the notes. I've got several pages. I can't wait to continue this. But I've done word studies on being filled with the Spirit, being full of the Spirit, being baptized in the Spirit in the book of Acts. Y'all, it permeates that whole book. And time and again, those that were filled... All of a sudden, it says, being filled with the Spirit, they preach the Word of God with boldness. You want to be bold in your evangelism? Be filled with the Spirit. You want to be, you want to be effective in your, your living your Christian life? Just, just say to him in the morning, say, Lord, immerse me with your Spirit. Permeate my being. I want to stretch you a little bit further. Don't just do this in the morning. Do it at night. Do it at night before you go to sleep. 
I've been doing this for years. Lord, as I sleep tonight, I ask you to give me kingdom revelation. And I wake up with answers to problems before people tell me what the problem is. I bump into the problem that day and I go, oh, here's the answer. They go, where'd you get that? I got it this morning. Where? Out of my sleep. I woke up with it. Is that not fun? Start your night out because some of you are plagued with nightmares. You're plagued with, with things that just say no to the devil. Say, get out of here. You have authority now because of Jesus. Tell them, say, get out of here. I don't want you bothering my sleep tonight. The God gives his beloved children rest. So receive from the Lord. Start your night out before you go to sleep and say, Lord, I'm asking you to fill me with your spirit tonight as I sleep. Watch and see if you don't get some dreams, old men and women. Watch and see if you don't see some visions, young men and women. Do you hear what I'm talking about? The difference between Mount Sinai and Pentecost is the law versus grace. It's the law versus good news. I said this this morning for the first time, and I cannot remember what I said. Rob, you said you took notes. What, what was it? What, give me one line. All right, Pentecost is shifting from the law to grace. Chuck, you were in there. Did I say something else? You remember it? Leah? Yeah, oh, that's where it's supposed to go. From the wilderness to the promised land. That Mount Sinai was in preparation of going through the wilderness. But we're meant to be living in the promised land. Throw that into your Hebrews chapter 3 and 4 about the Sabbath rest being the, uh, pic, the promised land be a, being a picture of the Sabbath rest. We are meant to live in the promised land every day, not just in that 24-hour period in the seven-day week. Pentecost is about living in the promised land every day. Oh, now be sure of this. It's what? It's by faith. It is by faith. Uh, look at chapter 2 of Acts. Um, uh, Matt, where was that, uh, that, the, the, the statement about the perverse generation? Verse 40 or 30. All right, 40. <laughs> and with many other words, he testified and strongly urged them saying, be saved from this corrupt generation, perverse generation. When I saw that corrupt generation uh, yesterday as I was pondering today, y'all, so much of what was happening in the book of Acts, the culture of that day would, could be tracked to what we experience today. There's nothing new under the sun. We think everything's uh, horrendous and horrible and everything's going to hell in a handbasket. But let me tell you, or everything's going to pot, whether we like it or not. Y'all know that song, right? <laughs> There's a song by, don't look it up, never mind. Golly, ADD. <laughs> you know what ADD stands for? Attention, deficit, hey, donuts. <laughs> now I've really gotten distracted. 
corrupt generation, y'all, what we're living in and around today is no shock to God. God's not on his throne biting his fingernails and going, oh my goodness, look what's, what bad situation is. No, God is preparing us to step into that. He, and he wants us to go with, a, with a, a, a message of salvation. Look what it says. It says, verse 40, it says, be saved, saying, be saved from this corrupt generation. That means you can be saved from it, right? So we've got a message, and we're not intimidated by what's going on around us. We stand strong, and we stand secure, and we stand in a Sabbath rest, walking in promised land promises. We can make a difference where we're going. Oh, there's a sense of satisfaction in me that we have heard from God. Just give me just a second to see if there's something else that I need to to, to wrap this up with. Because I could go, I haven't even touched my notes. Are y'all okay with me doing this? It doesn't matter because this is the way I'm going to do it. All right? But I just thought it would be interesting to know. Yeah, I really don't even need the affirmation on it. I'm serious, y'all. I'm living in Sabbath in a way I've never lived before. And if you can see it, you can have it. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. How to be saved from this corrupt generation. So if you have not been born again, here's the bottom line. And that is to, to, to repent, believe, and be baptized. I'm just quoting scripture there. Yep, that's right. So, so it's believe in Jesus. Believe in him. What's the gospel? Simple as ABC backward. First Corinthians chapter 15, Jesus crucified, buried, and arose. That's, that's, that's the gospel message. The gospel is meant to be lived out. It's not just, it's not just meant to be spoken, but it, it, you can't just live it out. You've got to speak it because it is a message. So it can be read on your heart, but you need to be able to summarize it with this. This is the gospel message. Jesus crucified, buried, and arose. It's that simple, right? And our response is to accept, believe, and confess. It's not of our works. It's simply repenting. God's there giving us the gift of salvation. We repent, meaning we turn from that direction. We turn to him, turn to God from our sins to serve the living and true God. We turn to him and receive a gift of salvation. Y'all, if there's anything that marked the New Testament church, well, there's so many things. I was going to ask you to, to jump in there on, me, on this with me. But one of the significant things is that they increased in their numbers because people were daily, because they were seeing the gospel lived out and they were hearing the gospel message of Jesus being preached, not just by Peter in his sermons, but by everyone. There's 150 of them that got filled with the Spirit and, and at Acts 2, and every one of them were preaching. In fact, if you go to chapter 2, you see it definitely is the reverse of the Tower of Babel. 
because it says uh, believing Jews from all nations were there. They came and they heard the gospel and they went as the first missionaries back to their peoples, right? So, but to be able to give it, you've got to receive it. You can't give what you hadn't got. But if you received Jesus and that gift of salvation and are born again, some of you jumped in, and that made me happy. I, I love to kind of poke folks every once in a while. Born again, born again. Have you been born again? If you haven't, that's the first step. Be born again today. Simple. Accept his gift of salvation. Believe in Jesus and confess with your mouth. Be born again. That's, that's the simple gospel message. But once you've received it, you're not meant to become a reservoir that just holds it in. You're meant to be a, a, a it should be streams of water flowing out of your innermost being of life to other people. Yeah? Let's just, it is the spirit of God flowing through you. It's, it's, that's right. And, 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 and I'm telling you, somebody says, well, is that, is, is being filled with the spirit an experience after salvation? Yes, 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 yes. And again, and again, and again, and again, and again. There's an initial being filled with the Holy Spirit. It could be that you get that at salvation. But do it every night, every morning. Surrender again. That's, that's Sabbath. You hear what I'm saying? Some of you are weary. I, I can see the weariness on you. Y'all have been, you have been so righteous You've been working so hard. And I, I'm telling you, some of you are trying to be more righteous than God wants you to be right now. Would you put the scalpel in his hand and say, Lord, you see any wicked thing in me, you show it to me. Right? That's when you're going to start walking in the victory that God's given to you. So yes to the Holy Spirit. What else marks the early church? Communion. Community, which is at the very heart of communion. Y'all, I love that we have this table front and center up here. Uh, we were going to do communion at the end, but, you know, that got spoiled because y'all just feel so good about it during worship now that we've been practicing. Y'all just come right up there. I was sitting over there just going, yes, Lord. You led me in communion. I came up and took communion before we were supposed to take communion. Yeah, this, this communion table, the early church, or oh, let's just go there. Look, 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 look real quickly. If, if you're going to focus on something this, uh, initially in the book of Acts this week, I want you to, to look at this. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. We're going to read down uh, through verse uh, 47. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching is simple. The church is built on the apostles and the prophets, not on the teachers. Teachers are very important. They keep us lined up. You learn truth, understanding, and application. But apostles are supposed to keep it simple. The apostles' teachings to the fellowship to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. 
Then fear came over everyone, and many wonders and signs were beginning to be performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had a need. I want to tell you, I'm blessed by this fellowship. As we had some reports last Wednesday night in the elders, we saw time and again how different ones have been meeting different needs within this fellowship. And some of it we weren't even supposed to know. Some of you are doing it sneakily. That's awesome. That's awesome. You're not doing it to be known. And I tell you, the Lord's blessing us. We're getting, y'all, I'm, I, I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to single a person out here, but there, I'm just going to tell you, there's a person in this room that most of you don't know that is the epitome of reaching out to the poor and needy in this city. And, and uh, y'all, I, I'm blessed that this, this, this person has started coming here and it's regular, every, every week he's here. But, uh, and, and, and he has carried more food to poor people to needy people in this community than any one person I have ever met. And, and I'm just blessed that they're, they're here. God is equipping us as a body. We get, continue to get food every week. If you're not on the New Horizons swap page, you need to be. This is not to be a public food pantry here. We're not going to do what he did. But what we want to do, sometimes food comes in and we give it out, and we, we say to folks, get what you can get that you need, but get a little bit extra so you can share it with somebody that you know needs it. Because we want to create uh, an atmosphere of generosity out of us. And the Lord's giving to us so that we can meet those needs. But it's, it doesn't stop with food. It, 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 it's people serving each other. Folks helping with uh, building projects and renovations. Uh, folks, folks caring about one another and checking on each other, praying for one another. You're not waiting on some hired gun that has the job of the pastor. Golly, we have killed so many pastors, making them be the ones that did all of that stuff. I don't have to worry about that. Josiah doesn't have to worry about that. The elders don't have to worry about that. We share that responsibility across the body. We, I believe we're a New Testament church. I'm blessed by it. Look at this, verse 46. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the t- every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house and they ate their food with joyful and humble attitude praising God and, and having favor with all people and every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved y'all this is not just there's the common table that they shared together they ate together, they fellowship together, uh, they cared for one another that way. But there is the, the sacred table that they did, I believe, from house to house. So uh, don't just wait for Sunday to come to take communion. I'm encouraging everybody to have some bread and some, some juice, your, your choice. <laughs> um, that's another subject for another time, but... You have some bread and juice at your house and you break bread together. Y'all, one of the things that we're missing in the body of Christ and one of the reasons that so many people are getting caught up in the perverse generation is because we don't understand what covenant relationship is. And we have a covenant relationship with God, but we're meant to have a covenant relationship with each other, right? And and too often, we just give up on those. Here's what we say. If something, 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 then I'm out of here. That's not covenant. 
this says covenant, not just with each other, but with the Jesus and the each other, right? So break bread often from house to house, share a meal together, but take communion in your house. Take it with your, your husband, your wife. Take it with your children. Take it with your neighbor. Take it with another brother and sister. Do it often. If you do, you'll be reminded of the covenant relationship that God has given to us. And you'll be thankful. That's, the, that's what he's talking about in Second First Corinthians when he says, uh, not judging the body right. What you got, Kathy? Okay. What's your favorite scripture? It's the one that's being read, right? Colossians 2, 28 and 29. Christ is our message. We preach to awaken hearts and bring every person into the full understanding of truth. It has become my inspiration and passion in ministry to labor with a tireless intensity with his power flowing through me to present to every believer the revelation of being his perfect one in Jesus Christ. <laughs> I got something. Did y'all get something out of that? Here's what I got. What we know as being woke is not right. All right, that's your mission this week, should you choose to accept it. Go out and share Jesus with somebody and love the hell out of them, right? At night before you go to bed, in the morning, before you start your day, someone go, I've got such a busy day. One old saint says, I've got so much to do today, if I don't spend an hour in prayer, I'll never get it done. <laughs> and be kind of tough, but could you spend five minutes? Five minutes with the Lord and just say, Lord, I'm yours. I surrender. Will you fill me? I receive you afresh today. Let today be that day that you surrender afresh to the Lord and you do it with your, your brother and sister. Amen?